Welcome. You're listening to Building the Backend, a podcast for data architects, where we will uncover what's working and what's not across the data landscape. I'm your host, Travis Lawrence. Join me on a journey to understand the best patterns, tools, and frameworks for implementing modern data architectures. Each week, I'll interview data leaders and architects like the Vice President of Engineering at LinkedIn or the founder of Data Kitchen and employees at Microsoft and Google and many other top companies. To start off the new year, I have put together a quick 60-second survey to help me better understand how I can best serve you. Go to buildingthebackend.com slash survey to complete it. And if you do, your next coffee is on me, aka I will email you a Starbucks gift card. If you're hearing this message, then the survey is still live, so act fast and help me improve the podcast. Without further ado, let's jump into today's episode. Hey, Data Nation. I'm really excited to welcome our next guest, Rob Hedgepeth, to the show, who is a director of developer relations at MariaDB. Today, we will be discussing all things MariaDB. In this episode, you will learn all about open source databases and more specifically about MariaDB and when should you use it. Welcome to the show, Rob. Thanks, Travis. Happy to be here. Yeah, no, this is going to be a great conversation. Can you describe a little bit more about your previous experience and your role at MariaDB? So started my career in web development. Then I moved quickly into to developing mobile applications using a variety of different databases in between. Point, then I decided to jump into developer relations, started a company called Couchbase, which does NoSQL solutions, and then made my way into MariaDB, where now I run as part of the developer relations team at MariaDB, trying to just make the experiences that developers have using MariaDB products and capabilities just that much easier so they can get started ramping up and creating their solutions with MariaDB. Great. And for those not familiar with MariaDB, can you explain what it is and when should you use it? Yeah, that's a it's a pretty broad question, but yeah, yeah I can certainly try to dive into that. Yeah, like anything, it is a, a database solution, right? So you, you've got a database management system, not too dissimilar from a lot of the relational ones that are out there, where you think of Microsoft SQL Server, I'm sure there's people, Oracle databases, and MySQL in particular, and really MariaDB gets its roots from MySQL. Back in 1993, when MySQL was first created, it was really to provide a, a free or cheaper option for developers to be able to get up and start using a database of some sort. Uh, it became very popular and actually even helped with the open source movement. And then in, in 2009, it was purchased. So MySQL was purchased by Sun Microsystems. And then shortly after that, Sun Microsystems was purchased by Oracle. And on that day, actually, of Oracle really taking over MySQL, Monty, who is the, the creator of or one of the co-creators of, of MySQL, decided to fork a copy of MySQL, and that's what's known as MariaDB now. And it it basically started as just this, you know, simple fork of MySQL, and then and then really has evolved since then. And from a characteristic standpoint, what are the features that draw developers to MariaDB in the first place? For example, myself, I'm more familiar with Microsoft SQL Server. That's my go-to database on yep. most of my projects. And and it's one of those things that I think that I actually, to, to be honest with you, I can't, I come net or a, really a Microsoft background and spent a lot of time creating .NET solutions. And of course, the default there is to use Microsoft SQL Server. And 
database standpoint, ultimately the parallels there between say, if you're pointing out SQL server with MariaDB is that you have the ability of course to use SQL or the structured query language, which is very familiar. But the syntax of course is just a little bit different as you look at this, the standard SQL for what you would coin as like the MySQL or MariaDB ecosystems. But ultimately pretty much the same. There's some slight differences in some of the functions and stuff that you would, that you would use. But the biggest takeaway, I think, from the MySQL and MariaDB ecosystem is this idea of a pluggable storage engine. It's really what distinguishes uh, MariaDB and the MySQL ecosystems from other ecosystems like Oracle or Microsoft SQL Server and that you're using these different types of storage engines, which really make it capable or make you capable of being able to handle different types of database workloads. So if you think of your traditional kind of balanced read writes or like the everyday solution that you would really build using a relational database, there's a storage engine called NODB, which makes that pretty pretty easy to do, right? It's the default engine or the default storage mechanism for MariaDB. And it allows you to get up and running and using a relational database as you'd expect to. While there are other storage engines that, that are optimized for different types of workloads. So if you think of you know, maybe an IoT application where you're doing a lot of heavy write operations, then you need a different kind of storage engine that may be, or a different type of storage mechanism that ultimately is tailored to write. And you have this very performant ability to be able to write data. You don't necessarily care as much about reading the data. But, but then there's other storage engines beyond that where maybe you're looking at analytics, where you're looking at billions of records or terabytes of information um, that you're wanting to create now in, in the world that we live in today, more real-time or ad hoc querying mechanisms and capabilities. And so there's a storage engine called Column Store that exists for MariaDB that you can easily set up a MariaDB server by just targeting different storage engines. And what's really cool about that is you can actually create tables that specifically target different storage engines as well. So you could create in the same MariaDB server something that handles a pretty balanced workload using InnoDB where you can do reads and writes. Then you could set a table that, that does column store has columnar information where you're storing data rather than in the traditional row-based format, you're storing it in a column-based format, um, which allows you to create much more performant reads or ad hoc querying mechanisms or tech without having to create and add on things like performance enhancing indexes. And that's really the main kind of front door high level view of what really distinguishes MariaDB from a lot of other database solutions is that you have this ability from the get-go to be able to handle different types of database workloads depending on the different types of storage engines you use. So rather than having to use a completely different database solution, so if you wanted to use you know, something that handled columnar or some kind of data warehousing mechanism combined with uh, a traditional relational database. Instead, with MariaDB, you can actually handle all of that inside of the same MariaDB server instance by just utilizing different types of storage engines. And I would say that's probably the largest the largest, and, and probably the first takeaway that you could get from using MariaDB. But certainly, there's others as we dive into the distinguishing capabilities and features that exist inside of the MariaDB solution. Can you describe yep. how that varies from AWS and Azure hosted MariaDB? Yeah, yeah, it's a great question. And the difference is pretty stark, right? And it's really, if you think back to the beginning when we were talking about a history of MariaDB, MariaDB was originally that fork SQL. And then in, in 2012, 
MariaDB Foundation was formed, which was the original organized entity of MariaDB. And it was really charged with being able to help the community, which is a large part of the development of MariaDB, is all the community contributions and the open source nature. I'm really in charge of that. But in 2014, the MariaDB Corporation was formed. So there's the foundation and there's a corporation that was formed in 2014. And with that came this idea of an enterprise-grade product, an enterprise version of MariaDB that basically just has all of the, the hardening aspects around security and encryption and you know auditing and some of these things that you'd expect in enterprise-level products uh, inside of an enterprise server, so MariaDB enterprise server. And that's the really big difference, right? There's two different types of MariaDB servers. There's community, which is the completely free, it is the, the completely open source bits that everybody out there probably knows and loves if they use MariaDB. And then there's the enterprise, which comes with all the extra bells and whistles that you expect from an enterprise or production grade environment or database solution. And that's what SkySQL holds. So if you compare it to like an AWS, RDS, or the, the relational database service that they offer through Amazon, um, that holds typically a couple of versions back. So it's not usually the latest version of MariaDB community server. And the biggest difference is that MariaDB SkySQL, which is the database as a service offering directly from us at MariaDB Corporation, it holds the enterprise bits and it's always on the, the latest and greatest bits of MariaDB enterprise server. Can you describe MariaDB max scale and what does that mean? Yeah, so max scale you can think of as it's an advanced database proxy, right? So it functions as a firewall, it does things like query routing, it can things like security or handling DDoS attacks. That's something that you would normally or typically have to go and find a third-party solution in order to be able to integrate with your database solution, MariaDB has built their own called MaxScale. And it essentially just forms uh, this transparent proxy that allows you to connect to it just like you would so, so from your solutions or applications, just like you would a traditional database server where you hit some kind of endpoint or you, know, you hit a location of some sort. You can do th the same thing with MaxScale, and then it's going to you know, handle things like query-based load balancing, right? So you think of things like splitting your reads and your writes in a, a very performant way or an efficient way in order to be able to capitalize on if you've got maybe a primary replica setup or if you've got something where you want to target different types of storage. So as we spoke about the ability to use HTAP or the ability to handle maybe analytical-based queries versus a, a strictly transactional queries, it's actually a pretty advanced proxy that allows you to do quite a bit. Okay. Awesome. What are some of the common points of confusion for new users or developers of MariaDB if they're yeah. switching over? Yeah, that's a really good question. And hearkening back to some of the stuff, as I mentioned before, especially as we dove into the history, starting with MySQL and MariaDB, I think that typically... And this is really the case, I think, whenever you're trying to, you know, explain or, you know, promote a relational database is that over the past 10 years with things like the NoSQL movement and this idea of new SQL, a lot of times us as developers or anybody who uses a database solutions, particularly things like MariaDB, we typically think that, oh, okay, they're just the humdrum, maybe boring, typical relational system that we had back in the 90s and early 2000s before a lot of this data, this data revolution 
really took off. And typically I find that talking to developers, there's this misconception that MariaDB is still like that. And as we've been you know, talking here, we've explained a little bit about how we've got the different storage engine capabilities and everything from being able to handle your base level transactional workloads to being able to handle analytical or some mixture in between. While we've also introduced the the idea or the, the mechanism called expand, a new storage engine called expand, which allows you to do distributed SQL. And then that really capitalizes on being able to have a high amount of scale um, and a high amount of elasticity. Um, and so what I find a lot of times out in, out in the wild of those who may not necessarily use MariaDB is that they just don't know that the capabilities are there. And that's from a, a purely data architecture perspective. And then once you start to peel back those layers, getting to understand, you know, some of the modern SQL capabilities that exist in MariaDB, such as things like temporal tables, the ability to store semi-structured or unstructured data like JSON, all the, the functionality that comes with that, and even compatibility modes that exist in MariaDB, such as you know, something like Oracle compatibility, which allows you to take advantage directly within MariaDB, PL SQL, right? Being able to run procedural code inside of MariaDB along with, with the traditional SQL statements. I mean, so not to dive too much into into it, but the long and short of it is that I think that developers, if they haven't visited MariaDB or the MariaDB ecosystem in a while, may not necessarily know that it is a truly modern database. And there's quite a few really cool innovations that have happened within the last even year that make creating modern or innovative solutions so much easier. No, that's great. And if, I want, if I'm a developer and I want to deploy MariaDB in my own environment, let's say that's Azure. Yep. Can I do would I deploy like the Kubernetes cluster? What does the deployment structure look like to set up more of an enterprise grade architecture? Yeah, so you could certainly do that. You could certainly so as it is now, we don't have an official officially from us, say an operator of some like a Kubernetes operator where you could you could tie into that. However, there are there is a, a pretty a pretty good third-party one that it seems to be catching on pretty well that you could do that with. Now, you had mentioned Sky SQL before. You we, our plans now, so currently Sky SQL is available in Google. CP, um, as well as AWS, but we're adamantly working on adding Sky SQL or the ability to deploy Sky SQL database instances into Azure as well. So that is one mechanism. But of course, you could use MariaDB as an enterprise or community-based project or instance directly in if you wanted to set it up through Kubernetes on Azure, if you wanted to set up some kind of virtual machine. It, the really the world is yours in, in, in a matter of speaking of in the ability that you have in order to be able to utilize MariaDB in the cloud. Oh yeah, that's great. So with Sky SQL, the data will live within my environment, and then you have this this overarching data plane where I can access it. Yeah, the, the approach that we took with Sky SQL was that we actually use underneath the hood, we actually use Kubernetes to manage that, right? So you could think of it as very similar to how an autonomous operator and operator works with being able to manage Kubernetes clusters and taking advantage of the self-healing aspects of that, combining them with some of the automatic failover capabilities of MaxScale, but ultimately to create this extremely highly available kind of resilient solution in the cloud. But you're exactly right. The whole reason that we really did that is so that we could take advantage of the Kubernetes API because we know that Kubernetes is extremely ubiquitous now in the industry, not just for, for databases, but for tons of other things. And we really wanted to capitalize on that 
um, as something that is, you know, so widely and broadly used. But also, it, it makes our speed of deployment um, and our efficiency of deployment so much easier when we create a system that capitalizes on Kubernetes and that API. Primarily because the cloud providers all provide these services, right? These different Kubernetes services that you can take advantage. And of course, then once it's in the cloud and using all those services specifically through Kubernetes, then you can take advantage of a lot of cloud native functionality and cloud provider specific features, just like you mentioned, the ability to store it. Maybe you want to store it on block storage. Maybe you wanted to store it using something like object storage, like you think like a Snowflake does. All of those are all capabilities that you can take advantage of using MariaDB Sky SQL. And from a cost perspective, what does the cost look like when I'm comparing this to maybe Azure SQL, yeah. the equivalent? Yeah, and I don't want to overstep and say that it's it's directly in line, just because I, being more in developer relations, I tend to be extracted a little bit away from directly cost speaking. Mm-hmm. However, we take great effort and we take great strides into making it competitive because we want, we don't, obviously we don't want to put anybody, we want to provide a solution that is extremely competitive with Azure, AWS, but with the added benefits that I mentioned before that we're using and deploying an enterprise grade version of MariaDB server versus the the community bits. And on top of that, we also provide different caliber of support, as you can imagine, because we created MariaDB server. I mean, our developers are in there every day being able to create it. And so along with just the the database service cloud itself, you also get the highest quality support that enables you to be able to turn around bug fixes or be able to, for us to handle the feedback that comes in about a service that's running in, say, something like Azure. Then a white paper on y'all's website around the comparison of MariaDB to some other ones on the marketplace. One of the features is a shared nothing architecture that MariaDB yep. supports. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that and what that means? Yeah, I'm taking a couple examples. So for those that may not necessarily know what what shared nothing is, essentially it means that between the different nodes, or you can think of the different different server instances or what have you, particularly what you're looking at is that the fact that they're not sharing things like memory or sharing things like storage. And this really allows you to create a very resilient uh, solution. And we've primarily capitalized on that in our distributed columnar approach and also, of course, our distributed SQL solution, right? Taking advantage of distributed architecture um, and this ability that you don't have to share anything. So if, for instance, say in expand or distributed SQL, you have a node that goes down, right? Then you're, you're not, not all the nodes are somehow sharing the same or using the same storage or using the same memory. And you get this high degree of resiliency within your database solution um, that allows you to be able to, you know, perform at the same level, regardless of what's happening um, in your ecosystem. And certainly you could dive in deeper into the architecture of things like expand or distributed SQL to elaborate on that. Uh, But that's the overall gist of it. What's next for MariaDB? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think that we're just trying to continue to innovate and we're making, obviously we're putting a lot of effort into MariaDB Sky SQL. We, we just actually released the ability to deploy DB enterprise instances or through Sky SQL using AWS. And now we're diligently working Azure. We're going to be providing thing a fully fledged API so that you could get in there and, and rather than have to work within the MariaDB Sky SQL portal, you could just utilize an API in order to be able to 
you can imagine spin up or take down your database. We've, we're putting a lot of effort into something called workload analysis, which allows us to take advantage of machine learning models that are really meant to analyze and, and try to help optimize your database workloads in order to, for, to maximize the amount of you know, resources that you want to use, as well as eliminate or try to reduce the amount of cost. And that's pretty vague, but essentially what we're trying to do is that we use machine learning in order to be able to, you know, I guess, take a closer look at database workloads. Because as you and I probably know, and a lot of people out there know, they become a lot more complex than strictly read-write or or oh, read sure. in, or write intensive or something like that. And those tend to fluctuate, maybe hourly, maybe daily, maybe you know quarterly, just depending on the type of solution that you're building. And so we're putting a lot of effort just in general into innovations, really to provide the most resilient database solution that we can that will also grow with your you know solution over time but also we're taking a, a, a really hard look in how we can reduce cost and and just improve efficiency of the resources that you're using with the database. That's great. And then wrapping up, do you have a favorite data resource or book that you would recommend and why? So I don't know if if this is if this is allowed, Travis, but I recently did write a book on it's not necessarily directly related. So I'll put the shameless plug in there and then I've, I've certainly got other books. But, <laughs> um, uh, I recently wrote a book on a new connectivity specification called R2DBC, which allows you to take advantage of reactive programming and reactive communication. You can think of it as a, u- utilizing the observer pattern or something like PubSub in order to be able to to communicate with a relational database. It's a new specification that's actually still pre-GA. It's supposed to be going GA, I think, at the end of this year, maybe early next year. But the book is called R2DBC Revealed. Um, In there, I just used the last half of it as some examples. But really, the book is meant to deep dive into the specification itself and ultimately take a look at how relational databases are continuing continuing to innovate. They're taking lessons. They're not completely just stepping away from or trying to ignore, you know, things that have been accomplished in say the NoSQL era where, you know, things like reactive reactive mechanisms or the ability to work reactively with the database came out of the box with a lot of NoSQL solutions primarily because of not having, you know, to worry about transactions or asset compliance, but relational databases are really taking a page out of the NoSQL book in order to capitalize on things like this new specification or even innovations with new SQL and distributed SQL. That's the book that I would recommend only from the perspective of learning about new kind of innovative, plus I wrote it. And so that's, <laughs> I'm a really big fan of different blog sites like DZone or Hacker Noon or Dev.2. They've got entire sections or maybe even the entire site that's dedicated to database innovation. And it's a wide world out there. We're, we live in a crazy time right now where there's really no, there's really no bad solution. And there are bad solutions that you can put in or good solutions that you can put in bad spots. But all of these, all of these solutions or systems exist for a reason. And a lot of this innovation, of course, has happened in a short period of time in this last decade or a little over. And so I'd highly, you know, encourage anybody that hasn't necessarily visited one of those sites like a DZone or Hacker Noon or Dev.2 to go out there and what the community is talking about, what they're writing about from an innovation standpoint with obviously no secret and new SQL are the hot topics. But I really do think that relational databases are making a huge swing or a huge comeback just with the amount of innovations that they've been putting out. One last question. 
from a sure. popularity standpoint, Maria DB is not as popular, yep. generally speaking, as MySQL, Postgres, and SQL. Yep. Is it better than those tools? I know that's a very broad question. We don't need to get <laughs> to the specifics here, but I imagine your answer is yes. And how would you summarize that? Yeah. So I I would say yes. And, and the reason for that is primarily based, I'm I'm a huge fan of the pluggable storage engine technique. This ability to be able to, it, it, like, it, it harkens back to the question you asked before, where you asked, do I have to set this up as a separate server in order to capitalize on something like columnar storage or the ability to store analytics in more of a data warehousing standpoint? Or can I use that in line essentially with my operational or transactional storage? And the fact that you have the ability to do those things without having to Systems, I think is really important. And then when you look at things like being able to store analytical information where a lot of times, or even distributed SQL, where a lot of times you may end up or a shop may end up bringing in a NoSQL solution or maybe just some other system along with a Postgres or an Oracle or even a SQL server, it makes it I think a little bit more consumable for the developer out there that doesn't want to have to manage a variety of different systems. You can manage one system, you can utilize a language in SQL or structured query language that you're used to, and be able to take advantage of different storage engines that have types of database workloads, not only for what you're presently trying to solve, but in the future, when you look to growth and, and how your, your database solution is going to be able to scale, um, it's going to be flexible enough to be able to handle that. Ultimately, yes. My answer is that I, I do think MariaDB in a lot of instances can be better. Well, obviously, there are there are different sure. you know, different cases where that may not necessarily be the case. But yeah, my as you guessed it, my answer is yes. <laughs> and then I'd reiterate is that modern SQL innovations inside of MariaDB, such as the being able to handle things like common table expressions or window functions, being able to manage temporal data or if you think of data that is you know stored in some kind of time fashion using temporal tables whether you want that system version or application time version or a combination of the two we've got a lot of GIS or geospatial functionality we obviously I mentioned the JSON the ability to store JavaScript object notation or JSON data using mm -hmm. MariaDB and then of course being able to take advantage of procedural functionality and procedural code inside of MariaDB as well. Aside or looking past just the architectural, which I, I think is enough to really start to catch the eye of a lot of engineers out there that are trying to structure something long term. There's a lot of modern SQL capabilities that exist in MariaDB as well. Yep. No, that's great. And yeah, and for those interested in getting more of the specifics, they have some great white papers documenting some of those features, comparing them against some of those other databases we were just talking about. If listeners yeah, want to yeah. connect with you afterwards, where should they go? Yeah, anybody wants to connect to me afterwards, you can feel free to email me directly at robh at mariadb.com. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at probably real Rob. Or if you feel so inclined and you want to judge some of the code that I put out, you can follow me on GitHub at R Hedgebeth. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Rob, for coming on the show. I really enjoyed this conversation and definitely learned more about MariaDB. And I'm sure our listeners have too. So thank you. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks so much, Travis. I really appreciate it. And I'm a big fan of your show. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Building the Backend. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. 
If you want to receive the latest data news in your inbox, join the newsletter at buildingthebackend.com. See you next time, Data Nation.